Hello, and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. I'm Charlie, and you are Reed. Reed, how are you doing? How do you feel after this win? Oh, man. I mean, I I feel glad that we won. <laughs> I feel like it's time to maybe recalibrate some expectations yet again for oh, this boy. program after another kind of disappointing performance. Yeah. That's pretty much fair. I uh, I think I represent the majority of fans who will be listening to this when I say that uh, this win felt like a loss. <laughs> um, you don't get that very often, but especially this season, like I, I think it's just kind of the right ingredients and right mixture, timing wise, especially for wins to feel like losses. Um, so we'll get into that. I, I guess that is our pure instant reaction of how we feel. But um, some major takeaways from this game. As usual, uh, I was in attendance. It's a home game, and I'm a student, and I'm not going to miss this. Man, there was a lot of really weird stuff going on in the stands today. We had, like, obviously the chants for, like, we want Thompson. We had the boos directed at the players. We had – or maybe some directed at Mario – uh we had fights breaking out in the stands we had no band oh my god dude i'm telling you the the band factor was sort like that was that was a huge miss right there i think that i didn't even realize that yeah there was apparently like some covet outbreak in the within the band um and they were just like playing it through the speakers at Otson. it was oh wow it was not nearly the same um hmm. But yeah, stuff got a little hairy for a while. There was like, you know how sometimes you see like balloons floating around? There were like just a surplus of those today for some reason. Um, just a lot of weird shit going on in, in Autzen last night. Uh, none weirder than probably the, the game itself, especially the last few moments. Um, we won't dive into the, you know, chronological recap just yet. But uh, yeah, the, the Ducks escaped by the hair of our chinny chin chins last night um dropping in the rankings that's expected especially considering some other movements or lack thereof in the top 10 i mean three teams ahead of us had buys so what can you do about that um overall though what are your first big impressions from this game as soon as it ended i think that my impressions were just that this team doesn't look like a playoff team, nor a top 10 team, nor even a conference champion really right now. I think that we've seen this same thing repeat itself over and over again against every competent team that Oregon has faced outside of Ohio State. Um, Oregon's had trailed in the fourth quarter three times now. Um, and that came against Stanford, Fresno state, and now Cal, none of which are great teams, um, but all are somewhat competent And Oregon allowed all three of them to almost win those games. So in that regard, for me, it's kind of a, you know, fool me once shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me type of thing where I think we have to seriously rethink what we expect this team to do against any competent team. I think the days of us just 
saying we'll win by three scores kind of have to go out the window now Mm -hmm. um, because this Oregon team is putting up results far more similar to what Oklahoma did for a while where they every single game they played within a touchdown or what Clemson has done uh, than they are to a Georgia, obviously, um, who's actually capable of blowing teams out. One of the few teams in college football that has really done that consistently this season. Um, But overall, it's just, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to gear myself up for what looks like a kind of knockdown drag out fight to win the Pac-12 the rest of the way. And outside of maybe Colorado, who had a pretty good performance this weekend, even. Um, okay. I mean, not great, obviously. And, and I still think that Oregon wins that game. <clears throat> but others, I mean, Oregon is probably have games through the way those opponents great. That's just what we've seen from the team. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I don't know, man. I, I agree that maybe we have to recalibrate some expectations, but in a lot of ways, I feel the exact same as I did before the game. Um, it's just, as you said, it's more of the exact same of what we're used to seeing at this point. Uh, I'm not really surprised at anything I saw on Friday, but I also <laughs> wasn't. Um, that doesn't mean to say I was expecting it, you know. I mean, we we kind of flaunted the fact that Oregon maybe should have been a little. Uh, more highly rated by Vegas going into this game as, mm-hmm. as usual, they knew what they were doing. Um, and we didn't, but, uh, I don't know, man. So the vibe was just very, very awkward in the stadium, um, from start to finish really, uh, well, obviously with the way things finished. So, I mean, do you want to kind of go through this game real quick and like point out some things along the way? Uh, I kind of yeah. feel like that's the best way to evaluate it at this stage. Yeah, let's let's do that. His first drive was pretty promising. Um, seven play, thirty nine yard drive. Wow, it felt like a lot more than thirty nine. Um, <laughs> Oregon starts at their own thirty, gets it down to second and four at the Cal twenty one, uh, and we were in business. Right. Um, we had that completed pass to Jalen Red. We had a nice Travis Die run on the second play from scrimmage. Um, Die was just kind of moving the ball very very efficiently um in run after run we get the holding call it stalls the drive a couple incompletions later it's you know it's whatever we'll take the field goal um cal immediately comes out and do exactly what they've been doing this entire season which is kind of unexplainable but it's just how they operate at this point the 13 play 75 yard drive that ends in a touchdown um were you at all concerned about the outcome of the game at this point or were you still pretty confident that we could do something because because personally I did not feel too good about Cal marching right down the field on that first on their first possession um to be honest with you I I didn't really worry too much about it because that's been a weird habit of this defense all season pretty much outside of the Ohio State game they've just had a drive where they, you know, look like Swiss cheese against a not very good offense. I mean, even against Stony Brook, it happened where it was just kind of for no reason. You just have one drive where you just don't put up much resistance and allow Mm -hmm. them to score. 
I don't know why that is a trend, but that's something that I've just kind of come to expect from this defense as they settle into a game. They just usually give up one drive for whatever reason, use that to assess things, improve, settle in, and then they're pretty good after that. Um, and so I wasn't overly worried, but again, I mean, it's we're just putting points on the board that we hand to the other team. Mm -hmm. And then with as, you know, barely competent as our offense has been, that is a recipe for really close results. Yeah. On, on said drive, Cal converts three third downs, um, mm -hmm. all of which on the ground. That was kind of what made me the most nervous, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, just the yeah. fact that even without KT, this we've seen that this front seven can stop the run. I mean, again, shit. We have the control sample, right? They did it against the Buckeyes. We should be able to stop the yeah. run when necessary against anybody. Um, I understand that that's a different game, like Cal and Ohio State are different teams, but if anything, it should help our case that uh, Cal is Cal. And while, right. you know, they're a balanced team, they, they mix in run and pass quite a bit, and they have mild success in both of them, I don't know, I just felt like we should have got our defense off the field on at least one of those third and shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just kind of, again, that's kind of their game plan. They chip away at you for a couple of plays at a time and they convert. So I don't know. Uh, moving on to the next drive. Uh, this is the one where it ends in the AB check down to die. Um, obviously there were <laughs> quite a few, I think this is, was the first instance of booing. Um, because he did have multiple guys open downfield. Uh, a lot of us saw that on the all 22 yeah. later on. That was circulating Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys who were, I mean, you know, there were kind of, it was, there were two levels to the Cal defense. It looked like to me, and you had basically three Oregon receivers that were sitting in between the linebackers and safeties or whoever was in each um, level. And all three of them probably, you know, with a well-placed ball were pretty open yeah. and yeah. yeah. And obviously it was a check down to guy who never really had much of a chance to get the first down. Yeah. And I would also like to mention that on this drive, um, it started off with the Devin Williams reception first play of the drive for 17 mm -hmm. yards. Um, and so, you know, you go from that high, down to, oh, really? We're doing this shit again? Like, in one drive in the span of, like, a few minutes, that was super, right. super disheartening. Especially because, again, we had a lot of, you know, a couple at least big plays on the drive. I would classify the 17-yard the reception from Williams as a big play, even though it might not technically reach that threshold. Um, and then you had Travis Dye running for 24 on, on a third and three that's a huge play to get into to get yep. into opponent territory. Like there's no reason at that point that the next three plays should be a B passing complete a B run for four yards. So it's third and six run for no gain, which I think that was a pass. And he got like kind of sacked if I remember correctly, maybe it was just a, maybe I'm not, I don't know. Um, and then obviously that, that fourth down and completion. First of all, did you like the 
Um, we're on the Cal 32 at this point. Did you like the decision to, to go for it? Yeah. Yeah. I like the decision. Um, you didn't want I to mean, see Cam hit another 49 yard field goal props to him, by the way, we've been giving yeah, him shit for two years and he's fine. Yeah. That's the away. thing we didn't mention. I mean, it was nice. It was very nice to see him hit it from 49. That's not an easy kick for college kickers. Um, so yeah, I'm, but, but I mean, I, in general, I'm like in favor of going for it uh, pretty often. And I think six yards is pretty manageable distance. Uh, at least it should be. So yeah, I don't have any issue with that. I just thought it was weird that like we kicked it on the first possession and then after Cal scores a touchdown, now we're willing to go for it instead of just making it a one point game. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um. Either way, though, Cal's next drive stalled as well. Um, this is the one where we get a Noah Sewell sack to end it on fourth and four. They drove it down to R30 in typical Cal fashion, um, except for the Garbers run. He had like a, a scramble for 16 yards on second mm-hmm. and 10, which was quite annoying. But uh, it also started with an Oregon penalty, of course. And it also ended with one, um, even though we <laughs> already had the ball by that point. Um, yeah, that was so. That was the key on one. I, I yeah, I think the it, unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct. Yeah, that, I don't know if you saw the replay of it. It's so I dumb. No, they didn't show it. Yeah, everyone's just piling up, and like they call, they call. Oh, uh, I do remember this momentum. Actually. And Keon just kind of like comes in to like try to you know take him out and get him down on the ground because obviously he didn't hear the whistle. But he doesn't like he doesn't shove anyone. He just kind of like yeah, he kind of barrels hop. over the top. Yeah, he just kind of hops on and tries to bring everyone to the ground because he just wants the guy to be down. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a really stupid call, I thought. But yeah, I remember being pretty pissed at that. Um, one other thing we should mention. I mean, you already mentioned Ware Hudson. I I thought Ware Hudson played a really good game. I think Dorless played a really good game as well. It's, Kind of interesting mm-hmm. that we keep mentioning both of those names pretty much every week now um, as playing very well. We mentioned pretty much every name, every episode at this rate. <laughs> but uh, Mace Funa was out of this game. So we yeah. saw Swinson starting uh, with, gosh, who was even on the other side? I can't even remember right now. I think Maya um, got a lot of snaps. Yeah, yeah, I think it was my And Jax, Adrian Jackson played a Jackson. decent bit as well. Um, yeah, obviously with KT I was, being out in the first half. I was looking at the snap count too. KT ends up playing uh, the most the most snaps on the edge still, only playing a half. I think he had 52 in the second half, according to PFF. Johnson was out there quite a bit too, I believe. Um, you, you're the one with the yeah. numbers, but I, I think I remember seeing him quite a bit. Um, yeah, let me pull it up real quick, but you're right. I didn't, I didn't notice a ton out of the defense, to be honest. Um, it's really hard to evaluate, first of all, when you're just in the stadium. But second of all, there were just a couple plays that were very, very annoying. Um, uh, the Verone McKinley one comes to mind, a guy who we've been praising all year, deservedly so. Uh, just comes up kind of soft on, I think it was the tight end on like a third down it's one of those where like with the way the play is lining up you expect him to just knock the guy out not literally but you know like he has Mm -hmm. to jump for the ball like get him off his feet you know like make him hit the ground and make him drop it but 
he kind of like misses the tackle. He like pulls up on the tackle and then he misses the tackle and guy gets the first down and then some, but um, moving through the second quarter, uh, the next drive, we had a couple different penalties go both ways, uh, including the illegal block, which put us at like first and then second and 20 uh, on the Cal 21 you still expect to score in this situation. And we were about to Chris Hudson makes a great catch and a great move. Um, yeah. But the crowd was just instantly like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> cause he fumbles it. Um, yeah. Oh my God. It just felt like we were shooting our, it just felt too much like Stanford. You know, we were just shooting ourselves in the foot again, giving them extra possessions, letting them do extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anytime you get the ball in the red zone, you expect to score against Cal, even if it's third and 14. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that fumble is, is I can live with that is the thing though. At least like, at least Chris is making a good move there. And he seemed really upset with him after the himself, after the play too. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like a kind of, thing that you learn with experience hopefully to hold on to it better in those situations but like at least it was full effort you know which i yeah. can't say of the like later fumble in this in this first half yeah um uh, which we'll get to but like yeah um the despite- good news though is it is right after that the defense comes out and exactly Shuts them down immediately. Yep. Quick three and out, including a delay of game penalty. By the way, I mean, there were some questionable things happening at Autzen, but the the crowd was still very loud uh, throughout this one, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Ducks get the ball back. We're at like eight minutes left in the half at this point. You know, got to get on top before we enter the half. And we do just that. Um, A nice, efficient, well, not super efficient. We faced a third and eight on the third play. Uh, but then Devin Williams comes up big again with another 20 yard catch. Um, yep. and then it's die Williams again with another big catch on the same drive. Um, Brown and die combined to punch it in. And I mean, at this point it's like, come on, this offense looks suddenly unstoppable again after that, third, like <laughs> the last yeah, one, I- two, three, four, five plays of that possession were all very, very positive plays. Right. And, and at this point, Devin Williams has three pretty big chunk plays that he's responsible for, for this offense. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing. Um, we've all been looking for a wide receiver one to break out. And I think that this game kind of showed to me that Devin Williams just has to be that guy um, and that he has to also be a bigger part of the game plan mm-hmm. because no one else was doing that on the team. Um, yeah, I mean, Johnny Johnson had his big play, caught it uh, diving. Yeah. And I think that's awesome that he caught it, but it's not exactly like what you draw <laughs> up for yeah. it to be a diving catch where you have little separation and you barely hang on and the ball kind of drags across the ground, but he, he controlled, yeah. they gave him the catch. I think it deserved to be a catch, whatever, but it's probably better when you have the guy who can go out there and just beat the receiver and catch a ball on his chest with, you know, having got a few feet of separation uh, three times in the span of, you know, two drives. 
So I think that, yeah, that was big. I mean, and that it's interesting looking at the snaps, um, Devin Williams, you know, was the guy who emerged, who was not a part of that core group of, um, of four receivers that had been playing a lot, that being Micah Pittman, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, and Chris Hudson. Mm-hmm. People who have been following this closely have, you know, monitored that a lot, that Oregon really needs another player, another receiver to break out and be a real playmaker on the outside. And it seemed like someone with more size and a higher upside is, is who we want filling that role. Those four guys are all very serviceable guys, but you need someone else ultimately. Um, and so Devin Williams was the one who stepped up. Uh, Troy Franklin only had 11 snaps, according to PFF. Um, zero targets. Zero targets. So I think it's safe to say, you know, maybe we see a moment from him later in the year. But for now, that's that's not the recipe. It's if you're looking for a new wide receiver one, it's gonna have to be Devin Williams, I think, and that's fine. He can he can oh, yeah. get the job done, you know. Yeah, Williams um, in this game uh, had an EPA estimated points added, which is one of these fancy new advanced stats that we keep throwing out there um, of six point one three. The next highest receiver was Johnny Johnson with two point nine six. Uh, the only yeah. other Ducks player who had a higher EPA was Die with eight point eight two. Mm-hmm mostly due to volume. Again, Williams, four catches on his four targets for 67 yards. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and, and and I'll add, I just pulled up the snap count, so it's Red at 56, Pittman at 47, Williams third at 33, then Hudson at 28, Johnny Johnson at 26, and Troy Franklin at 11. Interesting also yeah. in terms of run blocking grades for PFF, Mm. Uh, Williams is two behind Troy Franklin actually was the highest at a 78 and did, you know, that's a really high grade. Yeah, Um, it is. That's interesting. Usually it's Johnson. We see, um, doing, pulling the bulk of those reps, but anyways, I mean, back into the timeline here, Williams has only one catch after this point in the game. Um, we're still in the second quarter at this rate, halfway through it. So Mm -hmm. I think the point we were reaching was like, you want to see more than just that um, mm-hmm. for a guy that can fill the, the wide receiver one role. Um, so ducks take the lead. We kind of stifle Cal for the rest of the half. Um, I don't necessarily think there are a ton of important plays to mention before the end of the half, except the fumble, of course. Um, yeah. Like we get the ball back and we're kind of just running out the half looking to, most likely kick a field goal at the end of this drive. It's third and four at the Cal 35. Um, so, you know, we convert one more first down, uh, use, we still have two timeouts and then, you know, take a couple shots at the end zone, but in general, it's, it's probably going to end up 13, seven at halftime. Um, and then Brown gets sacked and fumbles at the same time. It was kind of a Jameis fumble where it, it wasn't exactly, necessary um Mm -hmm. he kind of just lets it fall out of his hand (sighs) really 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 annoying (laughs) yeah there's a certain thing with a b to me where um you know he has this presence about him i i think mario calls him a cool customer maybe um Mm -hmm. and 
you see like in the Ohio State game that felt really good. Yes. Uh, to have someone who was like so calm. Um, and it, you know, I think that gave the team some confidence maybe, but sometimes it just feels kind of like he doesn't have that much passion. He's not that intense. He's not that focused when he fumbles the ball like that. And it's just like, wake up, you know, (laughs) this is a big moment. Like we're not trying to have this team stick around to half. You can't just you know, plant with the ball and have it fall out of your hands. And he kind of gets up and just kind of, I feel like he just kind of shrugs and walks off the field a lot of times or isn't as, I don't know, just isn't as animated and as much of a leader in those moments as you'd want to be. It feels like he's not waking this team up um, in these games where they should be beating teams by more than they are and motivating people to get going as much as maybe other quarterbacks would. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mind you, that fourth Devin Williams catch was literally the play before this. So again, it's not just the fact that it's, it's a poor play by the quarterback, but it's one that comes right after a really great moment. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's an even larger momentum shift. uh, Yeah. Emotionally, at least. Yeah. And in the the well. The last thing I want to say too, before we go to half that I, that I thought was interesting was um, I was going back and forth right after, after the game on Twitter and um, Brandon Betts was talking with me. He's a, he's a friend of the show, real listener. He always shouts us out on Twitter. So I appreciate that. Um, But he was saying, you know, I was just talking about my thoughts from the game and he said, yeah, I wish we could have played more than two good quarters. And I, I kind of said uh, it felt like one really today, referencing the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he responded, I thought we played well enough in the second two, really. Um, and I think that's actually true, except for the two fumbles. We did play a pretty good second quarter um, if you get out of those plays. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, those plays still matter, right? But yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that this team looked good in the second quarter, kind of like it looked in that, you know, late second quarter through, you know, the third and most of the fourth for Stanford. Mm -hmm. Um, But they didn't convert, you know, that dominance into points really um, because of the turnovers. Yeah, exactly. Um, Again, it's just a weird feeling to see this team struggle when it does. Um, second quarters have been decent for us this season. I, I think I don't have data on that in front of me, but like, I mean, think about last or not, last week, sorry, last game against Stanford. It's the same type of story, right? Where they go into halftime, not playing as well as they should, but what you see in the second quarter gives you more hope for the third quarter and then it's a weird play again from Brown at the end of that second quarter that kind of mm-hmm. hampers, dampens the spirits a little bit. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If Brown makes a better play there and we advance it and we score a touchdown right before half, this game never gets competitive. And I feel the same way about the Stanford game. If he pitches that ball and then Oregon still comes out with the same intensity that they did in that second half, 
there would have been and never been a final drive for Stanford either. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the similarities bore out in this game to the end of the Stanford game very closely as well. Yeah, I mean, it was too late by that time for Cal to do anything with the ball. But again, the point is that, like, we we were expected to score a field goal probably right right uh and didn't didn't get it done so cal gets the ball in the second half um they immediately on the kickoff have a pretty disastrous holding penalty uh that takes a pretty healthy return back to the cal seven um Mm -hmm. a couple short runs and a, a personal foul later it's third and 11 on their own six and you pretty much expect this drive to be over like Again, this can be a big momentum shift. We stop them here, get the ball back on a short field and just kind of punch it in, control the game, right? Well, this is when Garbers uh, completes a trap pass to Trevon Clark for 24 yards and a first down. Again, just straight up demoralizing. Um, they went three and out after that, but again, that, that play in and of itself was quite, quite annoying. Um, and, and, it, and it matters. So it shifts yes. the field position by a quarter of the field. Yes. You know, or Oregon gets the ball on their next drive rather than at the 12 at the 30 or better. Well, um, yeah. And then again, we had the unnecessary roughness penalty on that punt, um, right. which, which moved right. us back yeah. even more. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Just, again, so, the penalty yeah, I mean, is it, like it's stuff you don't need to hear us say, but like, Mario, man, you got to clean this shit up, dog. This, this cannot well, be yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, when you factor those things in, it's like, hey, if the defense just gets off the field there and they're punting from their six, you know, you have a good rec- return. You can get the ball 40, 45 yards from scoring. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really – that's how you score points. <laughs> you, yeah. put, you make drives really simple um, where you only have to convert – four first downs or three first downs. If you get chunk plays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ducks go three and out after that two die runs net six yards. And then Brown throws an incompletion. Um, that, that seemed like if I remember right, when the crowd started to really. Uh, yeah. This, this might've been the loudest of the booze on the night. Now. I don't, I don't think we need to have a full on boo discussion um, because who, who really cares, but real quick, I thought it was interesting that I'm pretty sure it was Ryan walk said that the booze actually motivated them in the team. Uh, personally, I didn't boo. Cause that's just not my thing. I don't, I don't like to boo a bunch of college kids, um, but there were quite a few people around me doing so. Um, and not just from the student section, obviously, but from the entire stadium. So if it motivated them, I guess that's a net positive, but do you have any comment on this situation or should we keep going? Um, well, my, I mean, my call, I guess would be, I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter, but like, why are we booing is the thing, yeah. you know, is it if, cause if you think that that's, what's going to make a QB change happen, you're absolutely delusional. Um, that Mario is not going to make a QB change because of booze. Um, if anything, so, it'll make him even more stubborn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're doing it because, you know, you want a QB change to happen, that's not good. 
if you're doing it just kind of because you don't like Anthony Brown and like you want him to be embarrassed, I think that's like very just stupid. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just not how I would act or like, I don't know. I have respect for Anthony Brown, even though he hasn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Executed all. for me. It's like, if you play starting quarterback at the school that I like, you know, support and have followed my entire life, there's a certain level of respect there. Even if you don't like play to the bet, you know, even if you're not yeah, Marcus yeah. Mariota, <laughs> but, um, but I think if you're booing just cause it's your way of saying like, we're not playing to our standard right now and you guys need to like wake up, I guess that's like fine. And if that's how what Ryan walk took it, like, I, you know, that's like one thing, I guess. I don't think it's that effective. I don't think it's like a good look and it definitely doesn't make it. It's not going to lead to any personnel changes, which I think is the main reason people do it. So yeah. I think that's pretty stupid. And I also just on AB, I mean, for me, it's like from everything we've heard from anyone who knows anything or actually knows anybody else who would know anything. Ty Thompson just isn't ready to play yet. And for whatever reason, you know, Moorhead believes that Anthony Brown's going to be the guy that gives us the best chance to win. So for me, it's, you know, let's evaluate AB. Let's have a conversation about what he can and can't do. But when it's Saturday or in this case, Friday, and he steps out on the field, I'm going to root for him 100%. You of know? course, yeah and hope that he executes well. And, and honestly, for large portions of this game, he played fine. His, um, his rating for PFF was 81.2, I believe. And that's a pretty good rating. Uh, I think it's probably one of his best of this, of the year. He was down at like a 67 average overall. That's obviously inflated by the fact that he throws a lot of check downs to running mm -hmm. backs and tight ends. Um, but he had a good completion percentage. He, he had just the one fumble, right? He didn't have an interception. No, again, it's just the the downtimes um, came at the worst so, times in the game. And that, that's what really sways yeah. people's understandings, I think. Um, right. Absolutely. On. Absolutely. Reed is not making the Achilles Smith argument. I would like it to, to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm no, I, I definitely am not. I, I don't think that. We've, we've talked so much about the issues with AB. And I think, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you understand where he's saying. All I'm saying is just, I think we're still capable of winning games with him, even if it's not the QB we all want. And ultimately, as fans, you just have to root for it to go as well as it can. Because if it goes bad, I just think we're past the point where it's there's going to be a move probably from everything we've heard onto another quarterback. So you might as well root for it to go well. And it absolutely does matter that it does also. Like mm -hmm. there's a reason why Cristobal comes out of these games and says that it was a good team win and stuff because you, in this sport, you get 12 games a season guaranteed to go out and show something. And sadly how it works oftentimes is that when it comes to the next off season and you're leading up to 2022 and people are talking about where the program is at and people are recruiting against you on the trail, a lot of times all the details of games get left out and people simplify things down to this team went 10 and two in 2021 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or this team went eight and four. And so winning games matters. 
Um, so yeah, exactly. I, yeah. We, we don't need to Rant say over. any more than that. <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, we can kind of zoom through a couple of these now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cal gets the ball back at this point. It's they're down three and it's early in the third quarter. Uh, I have a couple big pass plays. Um, again, they, they convert two more or sorry, one more third and short. Um, and then they get the ball. Well, I don't actually, I don't know if that's correct, but maybe it is. I'm not sure. A, a lot of these stats are really screwed up in the drives. Like there's a lot of double first downs labeled and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, essentially they get it down to, to the, into Oregon territory and kick a 45 yard field goal. It's 10, 10. Okay. Still feel pretty good about our chances. I believe our expected win percentage at this point was still about 70. So, you know, not, not super worried, but just a little <laughs> bit worried, just a little bit worried. Um, this next possession is just kind of puzzling. Um, Oregon, you know, starts with the ball in a normal field position. There's a lot of Anthony, Anthony Brown runs in here. There was a timeout on second and seven on the second play mm-hmm. of the drive, which again, we've seen this crap before. We continue to see it every week. It, really does not make any sense and I have no explanation for it. Um, I believe unless something changed, I mean, Moorhead was in attendance for this, right? He was calling plays. Yeah. He was in the booth, uh, which he's usually on the field, yeah. but he, he was in the booth calling. Okay. Call, so calling maybe, plays, but... maybe that messes up some communications thing. I don't know. I'm just speculating either right. way. It shouldn't be happening. Um, yeah. At, at this level of football. Um we get to about midfield and the drive stalls. Um, I, I'm counting like, I, I don't see a single AB completion for more than 10 yards on this drive. Um, on third and, and on third and 14, he, ch- he checks down to die for five yards. Um, yeah. And the yeah. drive ends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just absolutely pointless. Um, and, you know, reference the ball the next play for a touch. Yeah. Back. So those five yards didn't do literally anything for us. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on third and 14, from the 43, uh, you, you know, or from the, I've, yeah, from the 43, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, uh, you might as well just throw the ball past the yardage or to someone who could possibly get past the yardage. Those <laughs> that, that's that just how football idea. works. <laughs> like <laughs> first downs matter. Keeping the ball matters way more than getting five do- five yards on a check down. So just throw a jump ball up to Devin Williams or whoever's in the game and just see if something happens. Have someone run deep and throw something up. It's just like <laughs> yeah, see what can happen. And if it's an interception even, and they get the ball at the 30 rather than the 20, who really cares in comparison to the opportunity to get, to keep possession and score a touchdown? Yeah. Cal goes on to have their best drive of the game, depending on how you slice it. Mind you that that drive for Oregon was about 10 plays. I believe Uh, the one we just mentioned in the third quarter was, um, it was eight plays and it took 
four minutes. Um, that included the timeout. So we were taking our sweet time at this point, which was also kind of puzzling considering like we didn't have a ton of momentum and the game was still tied. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it's not just that it's what it's not just that we're used to the high flying Oregon offense. It's that this is actively slow relative to the rest of the sport. Um well, yeah, and it's just like if you're playing a game where you think you're better, you, you kind of want to get time. the yeah, you want to <laughs> get those possession numbers up so yeah, so that it doesn't come to you know three or four drives, so that you you know you have you're playing with eight drives, and then your talent advantage and you know just the advantage of your team supposedly can show through more. So yeah, yeah, you don't want both teams slowing the game down. That's not really how this works. Um, speaking of which, Cal, as you said, gets the ball back at their own 20, goes 11 plays, 80 yards, nearly six minutes of game time on this drive. Um, mm-hmm. We got them to the third down multiple times, I want to say. No, not even. They were just blistering us on the on the early downs. Yeah. Um, again, the, the first uh, – they, we don't have a positive defensive play on this drive until one, two, three, four, five, six plays in. Six plays that they it, it took them five plays to get from their own 20 to our 25. That's not good. <laughs> um, then the drive kind of stalls, but they convert the third down. This is the one where Garbers uh, was very, very close but he got the first down. I think it was mm-hmm. just on a sneak. Um, Cal also has a false start, which may, turns something into a second and 13. Again, this is what is supposed to kill a drive is when you get a penalty on second and long already. Um, As, I mean, especially against a very bad red zone offense and supposedly yes. a, a yes. good red zone defense. Yeah. And then of course the next play is a 16 yard catch down to the two. Uh mm-hmm tongues or tongus or whatever whatever his name is yeah um takes two plays for cal to punch it in i believe this is the one where the tight end like stretches his arm out and gets it over the pylon which was just a group like at that moment i was really really starting to feel bad because i mean there's just too many connections there there's there's too many hidden meetings meanings to that play and they all make me nervous I mean, you got Cameron Colvin, you got like the last odds and loss was with the J red thing. I mean, I was just not feeling good about that, that pylon scrape. He didn't yeah. even scrape it, did he? You just got it over it. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is definitely good connections though. Um, pylons aren't, aren't <laughs> great for Oregon uh, in general, but I, you yeah. The best I mean, pylon analysis in the game. This is the cracked out <laughs> pod. Maybe. I think that, also, the, the big thing is just I have no confidence in the offense at this point mm-hmm. that they can score. You know, I mean, yeah. you look, you're and down the fourth seven quarter has the, just started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're down seven in the fourth quarter. This team's put up 10 all game, and you're saying we're going to need at least 10 to win. Um, mm-hmm. it, and there's just not much confidence that this offense can do it. But then, <laughs> they do just that. They they show up Six and they put plays. together yeah, their best drive. Um, I mean, really, did both their both their drives here in the fourth are pretty effective. 
Um, but yeah, again, this is goes back yeah. to the clock management thing. It's like you should have more than two drives in this fourth quarter. Like, not in every fourth. I mean, two drives for a quarter is not unusual, but in this fashion, it's pretty unusual. Um, right. Because they were both under 10 plays and they both produced touchdowns. Um, yeah, this is the one where where Brown throws it over the middle to Jason, Jalen Red in the end zone. Okay, <laughs> like like I guess. Um, also, Chris Hudson had a nice return to set this entire drive up. Um, Die was extremely effective. Brown was rushing and passing well. No yep. negative plays the entire time. It's a quick, efficient. You know, wipe your hands. Seventeen, seventeen. It's game on. Um, at this point, win percentage is 50, 50, um, and Cal gets the ball back and oh, we, brutal. We, have, <laughs> we have a pretty effective defensive, uh, stand, even though they mm-hmm. managed to wipe off, a uh, couple minutes. I mean, uh, and it wasn't a three and out, like it was just more the, <laughs> it's more the same shit from Cal, like. They get to a second and long situation and then they get the first down, right? They shoot themselves in the foot again with offensive holding and then they instantly make the, make the yardage up on the next play. Um, Granted KT ends this drive with a sack, which is very, very nice to see. Well, I guess that was on second down, but he put them at 14 and they finally. Yeah. And, and and I don't remember this 100% whether it w- w- applied to this holding call penalty, but it felt like in that second half, uh, especially as the fourth quarter wore on KT on basically every play, it was either a sack, a pressure or a holding call. Yep. You know, Even on someone trying one. to I was watching possibly <laughs> hold on. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's the type of thing it's super cliche, but of course it's true. You could call holding on, every play against Cal at this point. Um, yeah. And I think it was it, when it's cave, it's yet. I think he probably gets it more than other people because you just see him do it every play. And all of a sudden the refs, you know, inevitably are watching cave on a little closer um, yeah. because they expect him to get to the quarterback. And then they see the guy pull him down again. And they're well, well, we got to call that one, you know? Um, but I mean, cave on just, completely changes how this defense looks. Um, He absolutely took over this game, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in a way. It's probably the most dominant game I've seen from him since that Pac-12 championship game against Utah, where he just started tormenting Mm -hmm. their uh, right tackle late in that game. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was unstoppable. as this fourth quarter wore on pretty much. Yep. Ducks get the ball back and do pretty much the same thing as the last drive. Um, a nice, efficient score. I mean, there was an, uh, an offensive holding penalty mixed in here, which made things a little dicey to start with. But that the biggest yardage play of the game, I think, uh, came right after this with Travis Dye rushing for 40 yards um, on first and 20. I, I wasn't, it wasn't a rush. Was it? It was like a short pass. Yeah. I think it was a screen pass or something. Either way. Um, die comes up hobbling a little bit and this gives us a chance to talk about Byron Cardwell who gets two carries in, in uh, 
succession and goes for seven and 12 yards respectively. That's pretty good. Reed, maybe he should get some more carries. <laughs> yeah, man, that was awesome. Um, he stepped up there and those were two great carries. I mean, he made a really good cut in the hole. I think it was on that second one for 12 yards to set up a first and goal. Um, he looked damn good. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because if you just watch the Stanford game and you extrapolate from that, oh, he's not very good. And then you watch this game. And, oh, he's the best back in the world, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, ultimately, I would like to see more touches so that we could have a more fair evaluation of who he is. But um, it was kind of head scratching that these are the first two and only two touches we see from a running back not named uh, Travis die on the entire day. Um, is it? yes, it is. Wow. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm with you. Like we had to, in, to, in terms of snaps, what were we going to say? Oh, I mean, you're both of our internets, I think are being a little bit funky, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I'm not as, um, impatient as most, other people I see when it comes to this, because I mean, when you have a guy who is doing as well as Travis Dye and mm -hmm. if he feels fine with the workload, right. Right. Um, so I wasn't, and he too, was awesome. Yeah. I wasn't too worried about the lack of touches. It just seems like two is a little aggressive or like, yeah, not enough anyways. Yeah. And, um, and for, for reference, Cardwell had 12 snaps and seven McGee had three and Travis Dye had 54. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite a few. Um, so again, now our offense at this point in the second half, there's the one three and out drive, and there's been the one like drive that stalled uh at midfield. Other than that, and in fact, since that, it's been absolutely dominant, absolutely super efficient. If mm -hmm. we can sustain this sort of thing for even even two quarters in a row um, and capitalize on them because we did this for two quarters against Stanford and then failed to capitalize. Mm -hmm. um, I feel really, really good about this team's chances heading forward. But the fact yeah. of the matter is we just can't seem to be consistent enough with this type of performance. Um, yep. This drive is capped off with a great play from Anthony Brown. I mean, credit words too. We're going to criticize him when it happens. We're going to, praise him when good stuff happens yes um, absolutely <laughs> this looked like somebody who wanted to win a game period um yeah an extremely determined extremely like emotional run honestly um he gets the pylon i don't know does he get the pylon or does he just get it in i can't remember um it's right in front of me and i can't remember <laughs> yeah he goes right over it i don't know if he clips it or not yeah pylon analysis um either way 11 yard run from second and goal hell yes we're back you know we got the lead back we feel fine um mm -hmm. my chart here says it's like a 90 percent win expectancy at this point so and i'll also add you know um anthony brown has been pretty clutch for oregon honestly mm -hmm. uh he for all of his struggles uh, he came through when we needed him in Ohio State. Uh, he put the game away versus Fresno. Um, mm -hmm. And even, you know, that that 
Stanford drives in the in the second half and even that last one ultimately stalled on that incompletion after the holding penalty but had you know we moved the ball pretty effectively then as well so i think that is a bright spot that in the close moments he's stepped up his play a bit um and especially using his feet you know in the drive before this too a big theme of it was that anthony brown had this kind of running style where he just can, you know, he just finds a gap and kind of slices through and takes about 10 yards sometimes. Um, and that can be pretty effective for us. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a big moment for sure. And it, I think you accurately described it as an emotional one. Uh, it seemed like after all he'd been through, you know, he hears the noise I'm sure from the fan base and the booze literally in the stadium. Um, and so, you know, good on him for getting it in when it really mattered. Exactly. Um, the only problem was that Cal had no intention of giving this ball back at any point for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, they, (laughs) they received the kickoff with 450 on the clock and they had it until the end of the game. Um, (laughs) I believe this, this drive ended up being 18 total plays for 73 yards. Um, it was absolutely gruesome to watch. It was, it just felt like, uh, in star Wars, you know, when the like walls are closing in on them Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, keep it, keep themselves alive. That's what it felt like. I mean, it it just felt like everything was caving in on us. Um, felt a lot to me, like the, uh, wazoo game in 2019, that final drive. It's a good comp, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like losing to Stanford. Um, it it just felt like a game we weren't going to end up out on top of, and it also felt like a situation where if Cal scores, they're just going to go for two and say "fuck it," like let's get out of here with a win. Yeah, and um, then you're we're just rolling dice at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Blind shoves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, man, this is brutal. So, like, Cal Cal gets a big play, again, pretty much right off the bat. It's the second play of the drive. Um, other than that, they only had one-yard gains. Uh, and then there's an incompletion, and then there's a four-yard completion. I believe this is the one where uh, Mikhail gets out to the sideline and makes a pretty um, interesting tackle, although I could uh, – or important tackle is what I meant to say. But mm-hmm. I, I could be mistaken on that one. Um, forces a fourth and five at midfield after this play, I really felt like we were going to lose the game. I'm dead. Yes. I thought that we were going to get that stop. Honestly, Um, Mm -hmm. same. We were coming at them and it just seemed like, you know, Cal isn't really serious about this. Are they? I mean, it's Cal at the end of the day. They're, you know, yeah. Four out of five plays in this drive. We had won at this point. Right. Exactly. Big spot. We're going to, you're going to tighten up and you know, they're going to make some, I was just saying they're going to make some mistake there. Um, yeah. But obviously that wasn't how it went. <laughs> Defensive holding gifts them a first down. Um, it, ironically, they, they have a holding call on the next play, which pushes them back of course, with the first down at this point. Um, so at this point we got, Three minutes left. Cal has the ball. They run one play and take up a minute of time. Um, 
And it was a run, like it was a run play. They get 11 yards out of the run play, but they go ahead and do pretty much the exact same thing on the next play. Take 30 seconds off the clock. So now we're down to 90 seconds left with a 10 yard run. Um, it was kind of like, again, oh my fucking God, we're really going to lose this game, aren't we? Um, just doing whatever we can to keep them in the game. We get them to third and seven, call a timeout, which is the same thing we saw last week. Um, the clock wasn't running at this point because there yeah. was an incompletion beforehand, but it still was just like, I believe it was pretty, it might have been pretty late in the play, co- play clock. But maybe that's that's how, forward. that's, you never know if the TV broadcast has an accurate play clock because sometimes they just mess up on that thing. It seems like to me at least, Um, but the play clock was within five seconds, I think. And so that was kind of, you know, not good to me, I just uh, especially calling it that late. Yeah. And, and timeouts for Cal ended up being a factor here as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. They, they needed had all three of them still. Yeah, they had all three of them still. And if they had had, you know, it would have been nice to force them to have two if they needed to take a timeout there, or just any time the clock is running down. Unless there's a bad defensive alignment, and who knows, maybe there was. Um, maybe you know, Deruder just said, "This isn't how we're supposed to look. We need to call a timeout, or we're going to get burned." And if that's the case, obviously you can't fault them for doing that. But um, Still pretty weird. But ideally, like, you don't want to call that timeout. Like, as someone who was yelling their lungs out on this play, and then you know, you hear the timeout and you're, you you start cheering, right? Because you're like, oh yeah, we forced that timeout. Like, good job, everybody. You know, start high fiving people, and then you're like, wait, we called the timeout. This isn't right. what football brain tells me is supposed to be happening. Right. Um, and then of course, Garber scrambles for ten yards on the next play, down to the Oregon fourteen, instant first down. Are you fucking kidding me? We are screwed. Uh, I believe there was a there was a holding penalty on this play as well that got them even closer, or maybe that was the next. No, play. yeah, there's the next play. There's a defensive holding penalty on us, and this was kind of weird too. I, I'm not honestly. I they probably got the ruling right, but I was kind of surprised. I thought it would be an automatic first down, um, but it wasn't, and so they got a first and three off a holding which Mm -hmm. is kind of weird and ended up being really helpful to them yeah very because they ended up getting basically seven straight shots at the end zone from within our five or within our ten um so yeah yeah, that was that was that was a rough moment when you realized it was first and three and they were just going to take shots at us just like stanford did for the next seven plays amount of plays yeah yeah um Incompletion stuff, incompletion, Cal timeout at the uh, 22 second mark at this point, mm-hmm. and it's fourth down. Yeah. Um, you, me, everyone else in the building thought that, uh, well, I, I don't, I hesitate to say me because I still thought we were going to find a way to lose. But um, I mean, come on, we stop them here and the game is over. Like they have not had very many positive plays on this drive. In fact, it had been so, so long in terms of like physical time that uh, Cal had a good play that it just, it just felt too much like the Stanford game, right? Yeah. We were, our penalties, once again, were gifting them all the help in the world that they needed to march down the field. 
And here they are with so many shots at the end zone. You expect them to get one of them. Well, <laughs> um, props to DeRuiter for <laughs> sacking up on this play and bringing the house uh, on fourth and four. It does what it's supposed to do and gets to Garbers, makes a miraculous flick with his, you know, with the outside of his hand to his running yep. back. Inches from his knee going down. Kayvon has him wrapped up. I heard might no. be a slot receiver. Either way, um, the entire stadium was pretty confused on this play. Because, first of all, like, half the people in attendance still thought that it was, like, fourth and goal. Which right, of course. Which can't really blame them because usually that's what you would expect to see. And, you know, there's yeah. no yellow lines on the field in the stadium. Um, right. <laughs> I, I knew that it was fourth and four, but... I, and I was in the student section, so I had the worst angle in the world for this. Right. You know, I see the almost sack. I see him flip it out. I see the guy get tackled. And I see the defense start celebrating. Yeah. Everyone around me is celebrating. I thought we just tackled him short or it was incomplete or something. And I was like, oh, right. hell yeah. Like, this game, you know, this game is over. We all start jumping and hugging each other. Um, I didn't even see the ball get spiked until I, like, saw the rest of the reactions of the fans around me being like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They still have the ball? Like, <laughs> they got a first down out of it? Oh, shit. Yeah. That moment, I would have bet my life on Cal winning this game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just a bridge too far. Like, how many times are we going to hand them this win and they are not going to take it? Uh, it, it just felt really, really weird. Um, two incompletions and... Uh, a one-yard run from Garbers make it fourth and goal at the two. They clock it with five seconds, and there's another incompletion. Game over. <laughs> I I felt disgusting after this game. Again, even I, I keep mentioning how I thought we were going to lose. Leaving the stadium, like only the drunkest of the drunk were like cheering or somewhat happy about it. The rest were kind of just shuffling out like it was a loss. Um, yeah, spirits were higher than a loss, obviously, but it it certainly didn't feel like a win or sound like a win. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I really have to say about the rest of the actual game. What were you, what were you thinking about these three pass plays? You might be able to give me a little better insight on what happened. Yeah, um, I mean, I was I was basically just hoping that Kayvon was going to wreck shop. And then just like, okay, please tell me our secondaries and linebackers stay somewhat near them in coverage. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Kayvon came through and then the final play was sending that blitz and having Barone get there um, was great. I think it's a little weird from Cal. I, I would have kind of thought that they maybe run the ball a little more there with two timeouts. Mm -hmm. I think people get a little... I mean, I'm going to sound like a like an SEC, you know, 2010 Oregon hater, but people get a little cute near the goal line and, you know, try to pass the ball and do this stuff. And mm -hmm. when it, when you have three plays to get three yards, even if they, you know, have – even if Oregon has a talent advantage on you on the line of scrimmage, yeah, only, you know, just push and fall forward – there's a good chance you get it and you don't really have to do that much to get it. Even you just have to push. There's nothing you can mess up really. Um, 
And so I don't really love that. You know, like they, I was most nervous when, when Garbers kind of got that ball and it was like, well, what if he just kind of, you know, shuffles his feet and kind of spins around and falls backward into the end zone or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we Fully see that happen all the time. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this team showed up. I mean, I think that one positive is r- really if you, you know, have half a brain and you know that Mikhail Wright shouldn't have been called for a pass interference <laughs> to end the fourth down of the Stanford game, this defense, you know, has shown up ultimately in two really big spots on yep. the goal line that are really tough positions for a defense. And one of them without KT as well. Yeah. And, and they basically deserve to get those two stops, you know, Mm -hmm. they do just in those moments alone, obviously you shouldn't be in those positions in the game and all of that. Um, And I'm not excusing the Stanford loss and, and they lost for a reason and everything, but you know, they did show up for those four plays on the goal line and basically get a stop. And they did that again versus Cal. So credit to them there. Um, That I am happy about. I think that in general, this, this whole year for me and this UCLA game coming up is huge to determine exactly where we are, I think. And we'll get into more to that on the midweek, but it starts to feel like it's just going to be, a fight to win the mm-hmm. Act 12 this year. Uh, it starts to feel a lot more like, you know, 2009 or something, um, where it's just going to be about winning those ugly games uh, with a team that is far from perfect. Uh, yeah. But those years are fun too, you know? And, oh, yeah. and I think <laughs> we just have to accept maybe that's what this team is. And, and, you know, you look at the line for UCLA, I think we opened as favorites in one book you said, and then I saw recently on ESPN, it's UCLA minus one and a half. Either way, you know, it's going to be a fight when we go to the Rose Bowl next Saturday. And that's just going to be what this year probably is, unless we can really change it. Uh, and so I think fans just have to be ready for that um, and just say, we're going into a lot of these games competitively. Utah looks really good. Oregon State looks competitive. Wazoo looks competent. The UW game, obviously, we care a lot about as well. Um, and so do they. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> That's more, their entire season at this point. <laughs> yeah, more importantly, they're going to care a lot about it. So there's going to be a lot of games where we're going to be on edge. And I think we just have to kind of get comfortable with that feeling for the season um, is what it seems like right now. And I know people are upset about that. I know we beat Ohio state and we wanted this year to turn into, you know, this big victory kind of celebration run through the PAC 12 where we dominate everyone, Mm -hmm. but that's not what this team looks like. And honestly that, I mean, I think maybe Oregon gets to that point at, you know, sometime under Cristobal, but that's not what a lot of college football looks like this year or in general. I mean, I think people put on, you know, rose colored glasses for all of the great Oregon teams and say, and 
and pretend like we didn't lose to Arizona in 2014 or like every game in 2001 wasn't close or like we didn't lose to Stanford in 2009 and play close games then didn't you know 2019 we didn't need a last second field goal to beat Wazoo and then lose at Arizona State all or all you know very good to great Oregon teams have played close games in conference against teams that they are should have been a lot better than <laughs> that's what life in yeah. the Pac-12 is <laughs> at a certain point that's just what life in college football is, too, though. I mean, even the yeah, best team we've seen is 2010, yeah. and, you know, we still tripped up against Cal uh, in a game that we very easily could have lost. Um, yeah. What this means for Cal, I mean, they are now last in the division. Oregon moves into first. Uh, Cal might be the best one in five team in the country, which doesn't yeah. always say a lot, but, I mean, they've lost – four of these five games by one possession or less um that wazoo that 21-6 loss to wazoo was the only Mm -hmm. um, exception there so and even wazoo has been better since then they're actually undefeated since that game and yeah oh it kind of feels bad for them but unfortunately like they're probably pushed out of bowl eligibility the difference here in i mean what's kind of interesting to me is that the bottom feeders in the Pac-12, yes, they can nip you. The bottom feeders in the SEC, I mean, at this point, we're talking about like a four and three South Carolina team would probably be comparable to Cal's position in this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like a three and three Mississippi State. Like yeah. Arkansas is the worst team in the SEC West right now, or they're last in the division at least. Right. <laughs> Cal doesn't have a program defining win in the last X amount of years, Arkansas has had multiple this year. So all I'm saying is in a way we're, we're very lucky that we're in this conference um, because these performances will not make in no world. Does this equate to a win um, in a different against a different team? Yeah, I think um, I think you're 100% right there. I think that Cal is, just a smidge better than some people give them credit for. Um, like you said, you know, they're one of the better one in five teams in the country for whatever that <laughs> is worth. Um, no disrespect uh, to Tulane, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. We are, we're in that race as well. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that they're better than Arizona is mostly what I'm saying in the context <laughs> of the PAC 12. Like, oh, good I, for them. You know? <laughs> and, and I think, they'll beat Colorado. They're 10 point favorites versus Colorado actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they could beat a Stanford or, you know, USC, maybe UCLA on the right day. I mean, hell they, you know, they almost beat Oregon and they went to OT with Washington. Yeah. Uh, and there are other losses uh, that we didn't mention are to TCU and Nevada, both very close. So, you know, Nevada's all that is, all, all that is to say, Cal is, you know, not completely incompetent. Mm-hmm. Is all I'm saying. It's a it's a low bar, but um, <laughs> we're also looking at a team who had a bye week to prepare for this. Um, yeah, and obviously Oregon did as well. But it seems like Mario is a little more interested in recruiting than uh, coaching, <laughs> which which isn't necessarily like I, that wasn't meant to be a low blow or anything. Like that's 
literally the i mean the way, he, was on yeah. the, he was gone for a week right no you're you're completely right just the way you said it was funny um, <laughs> so there's two no, sides but, there, right? yeah that's that's true i think um yeah i mean there's no two ways around it insofar as this is oregon's worst performance of the season in my mind uh by a pretty wide margin i think the stanford game we played really bad for a quarter and a half to start that game but there were just so many excuses you could pull out as to why you know um whereas this one we had the bye week to get settled we had a lot of the injured guys come back we had more ed come back and we played pretty mediocre for the entire game until those save those two drives and some good defensive work in the second half. It just, you know, wasn't very good um, at all. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, you look forward and you say <laughs> UCLA next week's an opportunity to be in a, you know, a big fight. Oregon's five and one. They're two and one in conference. They're ranked 10th in the country. I think that's, you know, if we're doing fraud watch, I think Oregon is not the 10th best team right now. But being overrated isn't the worst thing in the world because this team still has a chance to put some things together. Um, and ultimately, just the nature of the sport is, you know, people forget about these games. What really shapes your reputation in college football is the games you play against top 40 a team. 40 opponents mm -hmm. and anytime you lose um, people will forgive a lot of close, ugly wins, honestly. Uh, and so, and we do we'll still see. have an infallible, like ticket into the club, as long as we don't right. trip up again, hundred percent, hundred percent team that nailed its first midterm and then hasn't done a homework assignment properly since. Um, but guess what? Now we got another midterm against UCLA. So, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a couple more projects down the road, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good metaphor though. I mean, luckily like the, uh, you know, the Cal Arizona and Stony Brook games that we didn't produce very well in are those homework assignments that, you know, yeah. combine to be worth 5% of your grade or whatever. Yeah. So. yeah it's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, you still got to do them. You still got to turn something in. Uh, unlike Stanford, but right. um, you know, we'll, we'll see where the rest of the schedule goes from here. I mean, again, we read out the schedule on pretty much every pod at this point, you might already have it engraved in your mind by now, but um, for those who don't no by no more bye weeks left. we got UCLA on the road, Colorado at home, UW on the road, Wazoo at home, Utah on the road, Oregon state at home, three tough road games, even UW, I'm still counting that as a tough road game. Uh, two relatively easy home games sandwiched in between, knock on wood, and then Oregon State at the end, who is looking up this year, but they had a bye week, so we don't really know what to think of them right now. Um, do you want to, like, maybe rank difficulty of the rest of these games? I'm thinking this is the most difficult, this kind of my upshot. Maybe the Utah game, because they got a big win over ASU. Utah looks Utah is the hottest team in this conference right now for sure. Um, and I think they're better than UCLA right now, honestly. Um, so I have Utah as the hardest, then UCLA, then Oregon State, 
then UW, then Wazoo, then Colorado. Yeah, what I, would, I would agree with all that. I feel like that's kind of just the ranking, probably, unless you think Oregon State's, State's really good. No, again, I, I'm still not sold on Oregon State. Like, we're talking about a team that was very hyped up after beating two bad teams um, and then losing to Washington State. Yeah. So, um, another yeah. kind of schedule thing I want to do real quick. Since the Ohio State game, has every game been a downward slope? Has every performance represented a worse data point for this team? I mean, you said yeah. this, this performance was worse than the Stanford one. So, I mean, yeah, Stony Brook, we looked pretty bad, obviously, but not as bad as we looked against Arizona. Uh, but not yeah, as I mean, bad as Stanford and then not as bad as Cal. Yeah, I think that that's the most worrying thing is that it's been a downward slope in terms of data points. I mean, obviously, you feel better after the Cal win than you do after the Stanford loss, but the team's performance really factoring in who they're playing and, you know, what other circumstances are going against them. I think the Cal is, is more disappointing. Yeah. Uh, there are only a couple bullshit calls against us instead of right. a, a multitude. Yeah. And we didn't have a stretch and at least against Stanford, we had that two quarter stretch where we absolutely dominated mm-hmm. in this game. We just never really woke up until the very end. And he, then even then they're, their offensive drive, I felt like, was less fluky than Stanford's was as well. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, I think I mean, one other statistically, they did gain most of their yards this time. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I want to do quickly is just I kind of wrote this down after the game and I wanted to read it off. Mm-hmm. Wh- like, what is this offense right now? Mm. Um, here's basically the component parts of the offense. Okay. Mm. We have a mediocre to bad pass protection. George Moore literally graded out a 0.0 in terms of pass blocking in this game. Wow. Um, really? So pass blocking is bad. Our tackles have been bad. Real quick. Um, well, I, I want to in general, with our interior has been a little better. Because yeah. um, I mentioned we didn't have Forsyth for this game, but we played mm-hmm. the same five offensive linemen, which is right. something that we haven't seen all year. Um, yeah. Walk moves over to center, which I, I thought he played fine. I didn't notice any bad snaps, which means he played fine. Um, obviously, in terms of aligning. Yeah, the, he graded the out the best by far. Yeah. In terms of like aligning the, the entire offensive line, maybe that's where the lack of Forsyth comes in. Um, mm-hmm. we had Sala in there at right tackle who obviously his, his frame is enormous. Like he's definitely got the body to do it, but not sure he's really, um, filled out the way we necessarily expect yet. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, Jones and Moore were kind of, we kind of know what we're getting at this point, just kind of inconsistent Jones moving over to right guard, more still at tackle. Um, mm-hmm. and then Bass has been solid, I think, but didn't. Yeah. Bass has been pretty good. Um, and didn't have his best best night but he was fine everyone was i mean george moore was the big kind of black spot and stephen jones wasn't great in pass blocking either moving into guard but i mean overall this offensive line just is pretty mediocre especially Mm -hmm. in pass protection it just is that's what we have right now maybe with foresight that improves 
Um, and, but that's what it is. And a lot of these guys aren't that highly rated recruits either. It just hasn't been a crisp ball offensive line. I think we've seen why guys like George Moore and Steven Jones didn't crack the rotation ultimately in 2019. Mm -hmm. And Saul has been solid walk we've talked about his place really admirable, but ultimately as a guy who physically, you know, who yeah. you want at a program that prides itself on being the elite of elite offensive line schools in the sport. And then Bass has been pretty good, but as a Juco guy. So overall, you know, it starts up front and the run blocking has been solid and the pass blocking has been pretty mediocre. Um, so real quick, we, why do you have any speculation as to why we didn't do this rotation? I mean, we saw no Powers Johnson, no Jeremillo, no, you know, any anyone else, literally. Yeah, well, I think that, um, I mean, you have, I, I don't know what the deal with uh, with Powers Johnson is really that's the one that's pretty surprising because he's played well. So if I had to guess, he picked up some sort of little injury or something uh, because I think putting Jones in there would just be pretty surprising. Um, but other than that, I mean, we've been rolling with seven, you know, mm-hmm. other than that force us out. So we're around a six. So we really just dropped Jeremillo. Um, And maybe that has to do with the fact that he doesn't have, his partner to go in with anymore, which was Sala, I believe, hmm. uh, to go in with as tackle. Yeah. So maybe they don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is, um, honestly, but for whatever reason, or maybe Jeremy is just banged up for this game too. Uh, but that's what I would guess. I mean, that's really the, those two are kind of surprising that Dawson, that Jackson and Jeremy were left out, but ultimately, uh, or Johnson and Jeremiah, I mean, but mm-hmm. um, I guess injuries, I guess, or Powers Johnson just as kind of an earlier and really, but he's graded out really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Jackson, Powers Johnson, like, like really, really well. 79.4 hmm. or an 86.1 in pass protection, only 79 total snaps on the year, but that's by that's far very the best good. grade. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like very, very good. Uh, and yeah, so anyway, so that's what the O-line is. Uh, you know, if you gave it a grade, it's probably a C, C. overall. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. then you, ha- you have that. You have no vertical passing game from the quarterback really at all. Um, except when we target Williams. Like, yeah, except when we target Williams. Yeah. You have a receiver core that, based on who we're playing, is one elite guy, Williams, and no one else who can do much at all with their with the quarterback situation right now. At least not anything that creates a vertical passing game. They can t- check catch checkdowns and stuff, and they can make medium yard gains every once in a while, but it's just not much. And then you have, yeah, and that, that's not necessarily their fault as well. Like I think right. that's, yeah. that's it's, the point it's, you're it's, making. It's, yeah. it's impossible to get a really accurate grade on this uh, receiving room right now, based on what we've seen at quarterback, I think. 
mm-hmm. but we do know that Williams is the one guy who's really special. Um, and then who's playing? Because frankly, Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton just haven't been in the mix much recently. Um, yeah, but I mean, at least we've seen great things from Johnson before too. We've seen great yeah, things from Britman right. as well. I mean, right. I personally, I think those are two guys that in the right system, getting the right amount of targets could make it to the league, but yeah. that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at, at O-line quarterback receiver. The tight ends are good, but really young Two freshmen, the snap counts, interestingly, um, let me pull those up really quick. Those broke up as it's Ferguson it was third Matavao. Right? Yeah, Ferguson thirty-four, Matavao twenty-four, Webb twelve. DJ Johnson can't play because he's been playing so heavily at edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that looks like. And then we have a running back is just this one little dude, Travis Die, who happens to be absolutely amazing for us and basically carry our entire offense. Um, but it's just this little crafty undersized running back yep. and we don't play any of the younger ones really, unless we absolutely have to. Um, so that's just what the offense is. It's not good. Yeah. It's, I, that's I would why not it's have inconsistent at this point in the season. I never would have guessed the tight end would have been my most confident yeah so far like right i mean yeah and it's, it's really weird especially considering the personnel we've used um i'm not yeah. knocking any of the personnel decisions i love the fact that the freshmen are able to play so so well so early but i mean gosh like <laughs> considering the the talent we have at receiver it's it's kind of insane that they've uh, that the numbers are what they are after week yep. seven you know yep yeah, and, and I'm not blaming that group, but I think that it's easy to just zoom out from the team and say, like, oh, we're not getting the offensive production we should, and Mario's in this year, and da-da-da-da-da. And I agree in terms of, yes, it is a problem right now, and this offense could be better. Uh, and in general, Oregon should have a better offense than that. But when you look at it by component parts, I think it becomes clear that these problems aren't as fatal to the pro to the pro program long-term because you get a better quarterback in there. The offensive line we've been recruiting in class of 21 and 22, which we won't probably see until 2023. Sadly, we probably won't even, you know, we won't even Mm -hmm. see those guys majorly next year, probably at least a lot of them. Um, but eventually that unit is going to be a top five O line in the country. If they're not, then we start to get really worried, but based on how they're recruiting and what we saw of the group in 2019, I'm still gonna have hope for that. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's why I'm not going to overreact quarterback room. The last two cycles, Oregon's recruited quarterback as well as anyone outside of the most elite outside of, you know, basically Ohio state, uh, they got a borderline five star and they have two really solid four stars. Someone in there you think has to be good uh, and ready by next year running back. We're recruiting well receiver. We know we're recruiting well, the tight ends have already showed up. So eventually we're going to get to a point where 
you know, ultimately teams, especially in football, you're playing kind of five different sports at once, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, And together you have a good team when you're playing all five of those sports effectively, which is a very weird thing, but that's kind of (laughs) how it works. And so we're not playing the O-line very effectively. The receivers aren't getting a chance to play as much. The running game's been really good under die. I mean, he was amazing, obviously. And the passing game is not great because we just don't have a top 10 level quarterback at -hmm. all, you know, anything close to that. So that's very frustrating right now. But in the future, you look forward, the projection of that looks good, I think. Um, The more worrisome long-term thing for me is the point that you were just making clear this team has looked worse and worse as the season has gone on mm-hmm. um, and that's what they did last year as well until they turned it around in that usc game and so that's why we need a big performance against ucla maybe hopefully they look like they did against usc last year um because it's a big test and it's a moment where we can either flip all the noise around this program around and get back on track to running through this conference, or we can kind of turn the volume on all the criticisms of Cristobal in this program up to, you know, a 10 uh, if we drop that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's the specifics of this season are really tough to dig through and pick through mm-hmm. really, uh, I think is a better metaphor there. Overall though, I mean, we're going to zoom out to more national stuff in a second. Um, like the sky is not falling here. Yeah. Do I believe we're a top 10 team at this point in a regular year? I would say no. Um, but this is certainly not a regular year. I mean, there are a lot of right. teams who have not improved very much. I mean, I think it's safe to say Iowa fans felt pretty like I was watching that Iowa game. Right. And I was watching them thinking they, these, these fans must feel the exact same as us right now. Like it was just going to take one game where they didn't win the turnover battle for them to get exposed. And they did. Yeah. Uh, Granted, I, I still think we're definitely a better team than Iowa, but that's kind of beside the point. My, my point is Iowa is not the only team that has looked bad this far into the, into the season. Um, right. I mean, there's a handful of undefeateds left and a lot of them are in a Kentucky type situation where it won't last for long. Um, I mean, just first off in virtue of them, like playing each other. And then like, I mean, I'm not totally sold that Michigan state is a playoff team, for example. Um, so, I mean, if <laughs> well, we want to, if we want to look at like the top 10 real quick, like who are the potential playoff teams here? Oklahoma State, I don't – I mean, I just talked about Michigan State at nine. Oklahoma State, they're still undefeated. I don't see them beating Oklahoma, to be quite frank. Um, yeah, they're going to have to play them twice probably either way because they just do a rematch of the top two in the – Exactly, In the yeah. uh, camp, conference championship game there. Um, Penn State is at seven, and they still have to play Ohio State, and they already have one loss. Um, they also have to, play, have Michigan to play Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah, uh, who, which are both losable games. Uh, Michigan, this is where I kind of turn into maybe range. Um, yeah. 
I could see Michigan getting in even with one loss. But again, in that case, they would have to beat Ohio State once, even if they well, and they're in the same division, so they they only get to play them once, actually. Um, yeah. Ohio State, we kind of know the deal with them. They look elite. If they continue on this trajectory, they're going to be in the playoff, and I'm okay with that. Um, we can yeah. have the discussion later on about one loss Ohio State versus one loss Oregon, but it's not for now. Um, Bama looks like they could be a playoff team. Same goes for Oklahoma and, quite frankly, Cincinnati, even though I'd probably put them at the bottom of this group, not the top, as they seem to be right now. I don't even think I have to mention Georgia, do I? I mean, yeah, Jesus. Uh, so there you go. That's like if we're counting Michigan as like maybe maybe like a half playoff team, if that works out for math purposes, then we got like one, two, three teams, not including Georgia, who could who could take those spots being Oklahoma, Ohio State and Alabama. <laughs> and then Cincinnati, probably like on the cut. such a weird position. But yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting debate going forward. I mean, if they're undefeated, they probably get in, depending on what else happens. But they're not really playing the same sport. It's kind of tough to compare. Yeah, I mean, people will say, oh, they they beat Notre Dame on the road. What do you mean? Like, take that strength of schedule. Every single other game that Cincinnati plays is easier than – I mean, it's it's a non-Power 5 game. So, yeah. That means something, yep. right? That <laughs> recruiting levels matter, like talent matters, environments matter for that that matter. I mean, I don't know if you see I don't know if the bounce house is rocking or not for UCF, but it didn't seem to matter. The difference, of course, for Cincy is that they blow people out, and that's what's really important going down the, the stretch. I guess they also beat Indiana, but if you want to call Indiana a power five team, like sure, I, I guess. Um <laughs> Indiana played Michigan State close to. I mean, that's solid, but again, like that can't be. I don't know. Having that as your data point, one of your two data points that says that you're a top four team in the country, obviously, is, you know, a bit different than what yeah. Georgia or Oklahoma or Ohio State has to prove. Here's the other thing is quite frankly, um, if we look below number 10 in the standings, I don't see any of these teams busting into the playoff, any of them. Um, yeah, there's a couple under, I mean, you got wake forest. Sure. Like, no, they are not making the playoff. Um, I mean, Iowa, Iowa, if they string things together, the rest of the way, dude, I I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very telling. I mean, we're 11 that we're 10 and they're 11 because these two teams again, feel like the fan bases must feel very similar about each of their seasons so far. And yet we get the Mm -hmm. nod and they drop from two to 11. Um, yeah, Notre Dame, no, uh, coastal, they're not going to get the respect Kentucky A&M, like they're not going to make it through. So, I mean, really, I think it's realistic to say that we're fighting the teams ahead of us. Um, maybe Ole Miss is able to, to peak, to get, if Ole Miss makes it out of the East, then they'd be replacing Bama or sorry, out of the West. SEC West, but I don't think that's I, – I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I think – well, I mean, Bama would have to lose another game for that to happen. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's going to occur. And um, Ole Miss would have to not lose another one, which they probably Their schedule's will, pretty favorable but, for yeah. that. I mean, LSU yeah. at Auburn, 
A&M at home, Vandy at home, Mississippi State on the road. They played Liberty, who they they could win. They could win out for sure, but like more times than not in college football, they're going. Yeah, to you lose. trip up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. they almost yeah. tripped up against Tennessee. Um, so, and I yeah. want to talk about some of these national games, but do you want to get this Pac-12 stuff over first? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. All right, um, our picks this week were dog shit. Read. Um, we both <laughs> went one and three against the spread. Um, of course, like most of these games were basically straight up anyways. Um, so let's start off with the early one, probably the worst college football game I have watched start to finish in maybe ever. I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to think of maybe some of those old Oregon games when our team was terrible, but even then, I mean, nothing comes close to the incompetence I witnessed. What was it? Colorado 34, Arizona's Arizona zero. Was that the final? Yep. Yep. No further comment. Um, uh, if, if, if you want to hear people really dig into the weeds of that stuff, go, go listen to no truck stops. Yeah. And, and frankly, podcast champions, they're good too. I, I can't wait to yeah. hear some of the laughter about this week's games. Cause the PAC 12 just continues to confuse itself. Um, speaking of which, watching Washington State 34, Stanford 31. Looks like I, I wasn't able to watch this game. I actually had a uh, a murder mystery party to attend, um, which was what? Dude, I couldn't get out of it. I swear. It was it was really, really difficult. Like I was watching on my phone and then I got scolded for watching on my phone. And it was I was oh my bad god place. it was terrible man during a saturday in the fall um i mean we got josh so here's the deal right for skipping weddings dude here's and the you're deal going right? to a murder mystery i fucking i agreed to do this because i was told it was at 4 30 now in my head i'm thinking okay this will take like what a couple hours at most i couldn't think of like a more ideal time for this to happen right it's 4 30 it's pretty decent like i mm-hmm. me here's me thinking oh i'll be able to catch the end of these games um this thing basically took the rest of the day like i i had to pull myself out of there just to just to watch the timbers game which i covered so like i don't it was a very difficult time for me. Um, mm-hmm. What it looks like is that Stanford took an early lead and then Wazoo took a halftime lead somehow and that Stanford made a furious comeback at the end in vain. Is that accurate? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of pretty much like that. Yeah, it was a weird game. I mean, Stanford kind of looked like they were in control and then Wazoo really looked like they are in control. And then Stanford came back, and then it was messy at the end, and and Wazoo pulled it out. Damn. And now Wazoo is like borderline. Like by the time you hear this, people think Rolovich could be gone. Yeah, he might be out. Like it's really coming to a head right now. Um. So I, <laughs> with that in mind, I took Wazoo to win this game. <laughs> came back to our picks. Uh. I, I took them on the one as like half point underdogs or whatever. Um, and it was my only one of the only good pick of the day. But uh, yeah, even if he goes out on a high note, could be like a coach O situation there. Um, maybe with a little more mask drama and a little less like um, other types of drama, which we won't get into, but 
<laughs> UCLA, <laughs> UCLA 31. Um, is that right? Or is it? No, it's 24, 17. Sorry. Yeah. I, my internet's not loading this page. Um, yeah. What can you tell me about this game? This was the game I was most pissed about missing. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of a messy game. I don't know. Both these teams look pretty mediocre, bad Pac-12 teams, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the Washington well, passing news. offense continues to look really bad. Uh, I saw a stat that they were 109th, I think it was, both in yards per rush and opponent's yard per rush in this four out in this game where they rushed for 2.7 and nice. gave up 5.9 uh per carry obviously so yeah the it's like charbonnet had a good game is really bad yeah charbonnet had a good game um but still it felt like UCLA probably should have won by more you know and then it was really pretty close until the end uh i mean yeah like washington hmm. had the ball at midfield with four minutes left or five minutes left. Uh, but yeah, I mean, before kind of UCLA messing around against a not great Washington team, but also a bit of how is UCLA really? And yeah. we'll obviously talk more about that. You got that pick, week. right? Uh, I thought the dogs were going to pull it out at home, but UCLA did instead. Um, we both, took ASU in the uh, straight-up matchup against Utah. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a pretty damn good pick for about half the game. Um, yep. What the hell happened, dude? What happened in this game? ASU didn't score in the entire second half? What's going on? Yeah, man. I, I mean, credit to Utah. Um, this game was the most anticipated game of the week for me. I think it's a shame that they didn't have game day last week. I honestly think they deserved it. Yeah. Um, it was an, I think it meant the most of any game in the country, probably uh, in general, because it maybe have decided a division in the, in a power five conference, but also because it just meant a lot to those two teams. Um, yeah. Also, the like, because the Georgia well, game, game did that, a lot but we too, all but, knew the, yeah. the outcome of that game before it came Right, out. exactly. I'm, this was an – it couldn't have been closer. Um, I think, you know, with everything going on at Utah, it's been a high – it was highly emotional leading up to it. And in Salt Lake, and I think Arizona State came out and, you know, kind of delivered a punch and looked like the better team to start out. And then Utah came out in that second half um, and they just played their hearts out. It was, you know, four drives, four touchdowns, no points for Arizona State. The defense took over. um, And I think the ball just kind of started rolling early. I think as, you know, Utah down 14, they come out long drive and score. They get a three and out. They score or again, and then there's a missed field goal. But I think really as soon as they tied up that game so quickly, you know, not even 10 minutes into the third and they're already tied, the boulder was really kind of rolling downhill. And Arizona State 
has had discipline issues all year. And I think they just kind of couldn't get back in control of the game. I mean, the fact that they're not this season veteran team showed through. And I think Utah, they just, you know, they wanted it bad and they came out and dominated in that second half. But it was an it was just an awesome college football game and really could have big effects on this conference for a long time to come. I think, I mean, these are the types of games where, you know, obviously Oregon is in the way in terms of the conference title race a bit, but Oregon doesn't look unbeatable as we talked about for the first five hours of this podcast. Um, And so, you know, one of these teams goes on and wins the, conference let's say utah this propels them to win the pac-12 and they finally get through to a rose bowl or i guess whatever other new year six bowl it is this year that would mean a ton to utah mm-hmm. um that would that could completely change their ability to recruit uh, that you know it's one of those things that's just unique to college football and i guess college basketball too but you know, where these games mean so much and you are able to build off of wins by recruiting and you get more talent and you elevate your standard. But I mean, um, even in college basketball, like you can always, you can always make a run in your conference tournament. You still have that like right last level of insurance at the end, you know? Yeah, totally. So it was a really cool game and with USC kind of down and they're obviously in the coaching search and all of that, but, um, it's an opportunity for someone to step in a, up in the South and, you know, Utah just won. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be a classic game if they kind of go on to have a special season here, I think reminiscent of those 09 Oregon games for them potentially where those tight margins and close games ultimately affect program trajectories in this sport for years and years down the line. Uh, worth noting the South might be decided next weekend or sorry, two weekends from now. Uh, where UCLA goes to Rice Eccles themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they trip up anyways against us, but um, I think for divisional purposes down there, that's that's pretty much the last nail in the coffin for them if Utah wins that game on October 30th. Yeah. Uh, for Arizona State, I mean, <laughs> they thought they did what they needed to do to win the division against UCLA always tough to say that in week five because they didn't, I mean, even though they look good against Stanford and were a lot of people's best team in the conference at this rate, um, we see a common theme with the quote unquote hottest team. Well, not even quote unquote with the hottest team each week in this conference. Do we not? Um, first it was, geez, I don't know. I, I swear every week there's been like, whoever's the hottest team in the Pac-12 loses instantly, or at least has a terrible game. Yeah, well, I mean, going into it, a lot of people were saying, like, Washington. So, I mean, that was a... Yeah. And then there <laughs> right was the bat, you had a contender fall. And, yeah. yeah. Um, um, Oregon State, but, you know, beats... I, yeah. I think that's what you were about to say. Like, back-to-back wins against USC and UW. Like, oh, maybe they're... The, shoot, may, maybe they're the hottest team, uh, especially when Oregon loses on the same day. Uh, UCLA had a big moment as well after the LSU win where they were really darlings for a second there. Yeah. Yeah. And they obviously lose to Fresno a couple of weeks after, you know, a bye week after that. Um, You had USC at one point with Jackson Dart looked really damn good before they lost to Oregon State. Um, 
Well, I, I guess they had already fired Helton by then, but I mean, it still looked like a team that might be able to win the conference. And then they just kind of uh, showed us they, they weren't capable. And now Arizona state gets added to this list. I mean, Oregon's on the list as well. Like even Stanford, maybe like at one point, Stanford was the hottest team in the conference, not the raw best, but the, the hottest and they went down. So every single week, man, it's a different team. I mean, who knows? Maybe, uh, you, uh, shit, Utah has a very losable game this week against the Beavers. I know, I know, man. <laughs> that could very well be a loss for them. Um, in that case, I think whoever comes out of the Oregon-UCLA game maybe gets that top spot. Um, who knows? Maybe Wazoo makes it a four-game winning streak with a big win over BYU. That's entirely possible. Um, maybe something crazy happens somewhere else. I'm not sure, but... Uh, Either way, man, um, let's get on to the rest of these national games and get out of here because I, I don't want to talk about the Pac-12 anymore. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. And honestly, I mean, the national slate was a bit of a downturn this week for sure. Um, Relatively, I guess, but there were some good games. Yeah, no, I mean, there were. There were. Uh, uh, you want to run through it? Oklahoma State 32, Texas 24. Pokes mm-hmm. stay undefeated. Longhorns are down to four and three now. Yeah, That's they kind of shot themselves in the foot, I think. Yeah, um, they did. Gundy seemed that <laughs> oh, maybe no team more so than Oklahoma State's on fraud watch. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Texas is one of those teams where they're going to be unranked. But, like, if I had to pick, you know, how many teams to beat I mean, I mean, pick this going to sound again. ridiculous because like, I don't, I don't think that they're going to beat like Georgia or anything, right? Yeah, but, but they would well, have a... if you made me pick the teams I would want to play, well, I would, you know, I had to pick a team to beat Georgia. They would be in the first fifteen I pick. Yeah, that's you an know? interesting way to look at it. Yeah, maybe not at this point anymore, just because of the the confidence factor. But talent wise, right. I mean, they are very, very good. Um, yeah, I mean, they literally like they dominated Oklahoma for a half, <laughs> yeah, and then they yeah. lost. But, but I mean, yeah, yeah, Oklahoma yeah. themselves got kind of a box checking win against TCU. Um, mm-hmm. And they like survived and some... are ticking now Oklahoma for real. I mean, they yeah survived that fraud watch and put in Caleb Williams, and now they look good. Yeah, their next challenging game is at Baylor week 11 um uh we got we got some kansas and texas tech yeah i you know what i will even though texas tech is five and two i will overlook them um in the big 12 now it's oklahoma first um gap oklahoma state second smaller gap Mm -hmm. baylor and then the rest uh i think one of those three teams is going to end up um playing oklahoma in the title game um sec we kind of already mentioned the georgia thing um this is the best team in the country and i can't wait to have my soul crushed for the first time as a georgia fan um yeah uh florida lost i don't don't know if it's ever looked this clear before man stop speaking right now Florida loses to LSU for the second year in a row. Florida's now four and three, but it's LSU's coach who gets fired. I we kept teasing this throughout the weeks leading up to it, and Coach O is finally gone. Um, not 
super unexpectedly either. Uh, Tennessee isn't able to pull it out against Ole Miss. They do pull out a whole bunch of things, though, and throw them at Lane Kiffin. So if you're not familiar with that entire saga, uh, <laughs> a story went up on The Athletic last week about how Kiffin ended up at USC when he was at uh, Tennessee. You, you should check it out. It's, it's some good context. Um, nothing else really of note. I guess Auburn beats Arkansas. Uh, did like you say I Iowa? I was just going through the SEC, but yeah, we can talk about Iowa. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. This was the most fun game of the week to watch, even though I yeah. didn't really have a dog in the fight. It's just always fun to, you know, we're back into that mode of just rooting against teams ahead of us in college football. Yeah. Uh, that's always great. To Nothing see. better. That's so much fun to root against teams ahead of you. It really is. It's, it's, it's fun to hate. Um, <laughs> Michigan state and Indiana was close. We mentioned that earlier as well. Michigan state does not mm-hmm. look legit. Uh, I'd put them in the same category as Iowa where like the only difference is like, they don't have a big win and Iowa technically does over an injured Penn state team. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska loses to Minnesota. This one was somewhat surprising considering Nebraska almost upset undefeated Michigan last week. Um, I didn't watch a single snap of this game, but that's, you know, I'll still mention it. Um, it's a good win for Purdue against Iowa, but with all the, um, with Ohio state, Penn state and Michigan all having bye weeks. I mean, it's just kind of something that was nice to see. Is what it comes down to. Because again, I don't think Iowa was ever going to make it through this conference unscathed. Easier to say that now, but I mean, right? Yeah. So here's the deal. Now I was still first in this Big Ten West division. Um, Can you tell me off the top of your head who's second in this division? Um, let me think. I mean, it's not. Well, no, Wisconsin has losses. Purdue has two losses. I have no idea. This is going to be bad audio. Who Minnesota, bro. <laughs> oh, Minnesota. Kind of just team that lost to how to bad that Greens. division is. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny because I. Yeah, that's funny because I don't know. People narratives of conferences get so simplified down, mm-hmm. uh, be, and because the Big Ten has you know, had the four from the, what, from the East. Yeah. And I, people are just like, Oh, oh big 10 is really good. Uh, and those teams are good, but obviously when, <laughs> you know, Minnesota is second in half of your conference, that's pretty bad. So, yeah. Um, ACC, not much to say about it, but uh, NC state, I guess looks like the favorite just by virtue of being the least bad. Um, they still have to play Wake Forest. That game happens in week 11, so that will that might be telling. Maybe Wake loses before that. Uh, they play Army next weekend. That could be a loss. Um, they also play at UNC before then. Um, I want to say there's an embarrassing result somewhere. Here. Oh, well, Clemson like almost lost to Syracuse, but that's not really super surprising yeah. at this point. Also, Miami lost to North Carolina, which officially puts Miami in danger of missing a bowl game. Um, they are too and crazy, four. man. They're two that game four, was and the only team they're better than in their division is Duke right now. Yeah. Duke is bad, by the way. Very, very bad. <laughs> uh, I was talking about like good, bad teams earlier. Duke is a 
bad medium team. They're, they might be the worst three and four team in the country. Um, Notre Dame had a bye week, not much there. Liberty lost to ULM as like 30 something point favors, which is funny. Uh, BYU loses to Baylor and officially eliminates themselves from any important conversations. They kind of already did that against Boise though. Um, uh, not, not much else notable going on. We don't need to get into the group of five discussion, but, um, again, Reed, I just don't see a lot of teams that can definitively say that they are a playoff team right now. Um, in a weird way, it's kind of rounded itself back up into the usual suspects of the top, uh, five or so. Um, yeah, unfortunately I mean, <laughs> Clemson, Clemson, you know, really dropped out. But other than that, um, despite us beating Ohio state, despite Oklahoma looking so vulnerable early, they've come back in and obviously, you know, Bama and then Georgia at the top are still very much in it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would also add, I guess in the American athletic um, Cincinnati's technically third right now, even though they're undefeated just because like tiebreakers and weird stuff. Um, And they, they've just played less conference games as well. But uh, there's two other pretty good teams in the AAC. Houston, I think the problem is like, you know, Houston and SMU both seem like pretty good teams, but I just don't know if they're up to that level of beating Cincinnati. Also, Houston doesn't get a shot at them during the regular season, at least. Uh, SMU does in week 12, but we'll see how both teams look at that point. Um, are you going to go to this two-lane game, man? Got to show out. Probably not. Probably not. Oh, you got the number two team in the country coming to town. Come on. Be fun. May- maybe, maybe. Which it's uh, oh. uh, the 30th. Depends on the timing, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, like, I'm not going to miss Penn State, Ohio State for it, or the Oregon game, even though it's Colorado. Just or depends the, on the timing. Cocktail depends party. Either timing. way. Um, might be There's a lot of good games that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Uh, all right, Reed. Final thoughts before we sign off for this weekly episode. Um, final thoughts. Uh, I don't really have much to give people, honestly. I guess I would just say it's a it's another big game coming up, and at this point, it's it's about going week by week and and trying to win them. Um, game day, obviously, for those who don't know, are, is coming to the Rose Bowl this weekend. They're bringing out the full nine yards in terms of ESPN coverage. Um, Oregon's got the cookies and cream uniforms. Apparently, they're rocking. I'm excited to see what those. Real quick, look like. what's your, yeah, what's your opinion on those? I know you want to wait till you see them in action, but I I think they're a little overhated. And yeah, I. I I think that people just kind of slap that cookies and cream thing around and then they just start laughing and yeah, uh, you know, it just becomes a meme. I'm excited to see them. I mean, I think, you know, this is what Oregon is. We take risks. We put weird things out there. We just kind of do it. And uh, I'm always a fan of it pretty much. You know, I, I just think that's the brand and I like seeing another interesting thing happen and for us to push the envelope and a lot of times when we got hate 
on something, it ends up setting a trend. Obviously, because we have Nike backing us too. Like in when we wore the neon, you know, yellow uh, in the national title game, and everyone said, "Why aren't you wearing your school colors?" And then, of course, you know what color elite stocks was every kid in middle school wearing for the next five years. <laughs> so, like, hey, I still have you know, those socks. <laughs> right, right. So. I, uh, you know, maybe cookies and cream will be the new fashion fad for uh, middle schoolers across the country, I guess. But no, I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I think I'm in, I'm interested to see how the uh, you know if we go black helmet and black pants, or if we're what we're doing there as well. Uh, maybe we have the the, the cookies and cream gradient on the helmet. Oh, oh, on the wing. We have, a, you know, what I'm saying there. Yeah, I wonder if we have if we have a if we have a speckled helmet too. The speckled, I like speckled a lot better than cookies and cream. I don't know. Yeah, I sound. know. <laughs> speckle is just funny. I like it. Um, uh, all right, man. Yeah, keep on the lookout for our uh, Tuesday pod. Or might release Wednesday. I don't know. Um, where we kind of yeah. get more into the UCLA game. We'll also give some final thoughts on Cal after a rewatch and. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what goes, what happens from there with this team. We're at a very, very interesting crossroads right now. Um, obviously, there's no week off to write the ship anymore. Like, this is it. Do have an extra day of rest, which is nice. Um, we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, Mace gets back healthy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, I don't know if you had any info on that. I mean, at this point, yeah, no. it's, it's no surprise when there are surprises. If you if you get what I'm saying, like, right, yep, hundred percent. Mario is so notorious for keeping things close that he's just not gonna. We're just not gonna know, and that's okay. You know, makes our jobs harder, but who really cares? All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Quacked Out Pod. Please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please steal your um, significant other's phone and do so as well. That would be very nice of you. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Go Ducks. Go Ducks.